Welcome back to another episode of Say Who Say Pod. He is Danny O'Neill. I am Christian Capel. I'm fired up about this one, Danny. I don't know about you, but this is I'm, it's a monumental day in, in Say Who Say Pod history. Because the schedule came out? Well, that's only part of it. It is it is a part of it, but we got a guest. We got a guest. I was a little shy about explaining to our guest how I how I refer to him, like in the game, like when he catches a pass. Are have you watched the movie Friday, the classic with Ice Cube, Chris Tucker? Uh, I've seen parts of it. I'm ashamed to admit I haven't watched it. Uh, there is a character in Friday who's Big Worm, and Chris Tucker addresses him by going, What's up, Big Worm? And that's how I refer to Rome when he catches a pass. What's up, Big Rome? Is, is there a reason for that? Just that you like the way it sounds? Yeah, because he's big. Because he's Big Rome. Like, come on, Big Rome. I don't. Yeah, I don't really have a reason for it. I also was too embarrassed to tell that to to Rome, in part because I was fairly certain he'd never seen Friday. Like, I don't think he was born when it came out. There's a chance, like you said, it is a classic. Um, we do have it's true. We do have Romo Dunze, a conversation with Romo Dunze on the podcast this week, um, which we uh, we enjoyed the the chat with him. We'll get to that in, in a few minutes. As Danny mentioned, there is some news today. The Pac-12 released its 2023 football schedule. You already knew, or at least should have known, all of the teams Washington was playing, but now you know the order in which they're going to play them, even if you still aren't going to know the kickoff times until 12 days before each game. But there's nothing anybody can do about that at present. Um, that's, isn't that really funny that that's just accepted? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's just how it's going to be. Like, we're not going to give you any times. So. I love I love it. Here, here, Here is the entire schedule on January 18th, eight months, seven and a half months before any of these <laughs> games will be played. And I always get the question, and it's a, it's a perfectly legit question. Oh, when, when will we know the kickoff times? Oh, 12 days before each game. Can, can they still, in some circumstances, hold it up to six? Yes. Yeah. That, <laughs> that happens once or twice a year, in fact. <laughs> I wish I could tell you the anger with which Matthew Taunton, my college roommate, uh, and someone whose toilet I once saran wrapped uh, during a windstorm in which our house was without power. In what was, it's probably the second greatest prank I pulled off during college. Like the best being when I took the door off of Matt's room and wouldn't give it back to him. Um, just summarily removed the entire door. Uh, but yeah, he gets furious about that, like how he can't fly up from Arizona because he doesn't know when the game's going to be. He basically says he can't come to games because he doesn't know whether to fly in, whether he can fly in the morning on the Saturday or whether he can fly out after the after the game on Saturday. He he needs one of those two, he says, which isn't really true. Like he could fly in on Friday and fly out on Sunday, but he doesn't like to do that. So yeah, he basically blames the fact that the game times don't get announced for how few games he goes to now. He's he's upset that he has to further support the hotel industry <laughs> in the, in these Pac-12 towns is what you're saying. It's it's very fun. I get it to an extent. Right? Like I I get his point, but then I'm like you kind of got to accept the reality. Like it's been this way for a long time now. Like you can't you can't just stay mad at that. Uh, obviously, the the big takeaway from Washington's schedule is is their November at USC. Ooh, really? See, I thought that the big takeaway from Washington's schedule is they got to buy before they play Oregon. Well, Oregon has a buy also, which is great. Yeah, nobody gets way, any excuses. It's the way it should be. That's exactly what I just wrote. No whining. 
this time. <laughs> it is kind of amazing. Like all it does for me is pull into focus how like horribly the Pac-12 has botched the way they've scheduled the Washington Oregon game in recent years. Like there's been Washington had um played the second of a of a road back to back at Oregon in 2018 mm-hmm. with Oregon coming out of a bye. Yep. Which should never happen for any two teams in the conference. In 2019, Washington had a uh, 8 p.m. road game, I believe. Correct. Uh, at Arizona, while Oregon either played on Friday or played early in the day at home on, on Saturday, the week before their matchup. And I know Chris Peterson was not happy about that because he said so on the record, which was kind of <laughs> rare for him. Um, the Now, the original 2020 schedule, the very original 2020 schedule, the one that had Washington opening the Jimmy Lake era at, at, uh, with a home game against Michigan, Mm-hmm. That schedule had Washington with a bye week before playing Oregon, with Oregon not coming off of a bye, which would have you know, put Oregon at, at a disadvantage. The conference-only schedule that never wound up happening that they rolled out, remember they were going to play a 10-game yep. conference-only schedule? That schedule had Washington playing Oregon with Oregon coming off of a bye. <laughs> So there's always been like the, these are these are two of your biggest brands after USC and UCLA leave they will definitively be the two biggest brands in the conference. It's always been one of the biggest draws TV wise, one of the games that you know people outside of the two fan bases watch and look forward to. And they've always found a way for like one team to be at a disadvantage. So yeah, so with both teams coming off a bye, they should be as healthy as they've been all season to that point. Nobody has any excuses. That is definitely a positive development. That's the way it should be going forward, I think. Is that reflective, what you just described? Because I think that's accurate. I don't think that the conference has prioritized the Oregon-Washington game like it should. And I, I think that goes back to the 90s. Like, I really, I don't, I don't think that the conference hierarchy, like, legitimately sees it as, I mean, I think it's the most spirited rivalry. Like that's like if you were going to ask about the the teams that it hasn't been the highest stakes in part because Washington kind of has has been very up and down over the past twenty five years. Um, do you think that's a reflection of the the conference? The conference is California rooted. Like there are there are California. Like do we have a California bias that's been dictating Pac twelve decisions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, well, but but also like. USC didn't always catch the most advantageous schedule either. That's true, which I always liked, but that just shows how much I just dislike USC. And like I always, I always like it when USC gets hosed because I think they have so many advantages. This this year's USC schedule is a Rorschach test a little bit. You either you either think that the Pac-12 is setting them up to win the Pac-12 championship by giving them a bye before the title game, or you think that they're giving them the gauntlet by having to play nine conference games consecutively it's the gauntlet yeah so it's shenanigans yeah plus plus they've got to play washington this year they got to deal with us (laughs) that's right christian yeah that's the kalen DeBoer uh mantra i uh oh is it it was actually with the seahawks in 2013 their defense was they got to deal with us it's not a mantra but i when i asked him about missing USC and Utah and, and watching them play in the Pac-12 championship game and how he thought they might 
matchup, he kind of said like, well, you know, we've, we've kind of got the attitude around here that they, you know, they didn't have to play us type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anyone we play, they have to deal with us. So, which I, you know, fair. I will say that is, there are three games for sure that I'm going to next year at USC is one of them. I was going to say, are you, are you circling the day? Are you guys arguing over, over ticket I, distribution now? No, I don't think so. There was actually some debate about whether we're re-upping, but I, I believe, I believe that we have successfully won the, de- won the debate and are re-upping because of the home schedule and the expectations. So how many games do you get? Um, well, it's basically however many I get out to. Like, we haven't had a situation where we've run out of tickets in a long time. <laughs> this might like, be the year. Frankly speaking, like, we've had to eat a lot of tickets over the past three years, four years. Nom, 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 nom. What did you do with up them? a lot of tickets. Sometimes you eat them. Sometimes you can't sell them. Sometimes you can't give them away. Do they do? They don't. Do they not they do don't buy phys- them back. physical God, tickets no. anymore? Uh, yeah, it's just eat tickets. Oh, that's a bummer. I think that's so right. There's nothing. Oh, uh, I don't. Eat. You know, I don't know because I don't handle the distribution anymore because I'm not boots on the ground in Seattle. They were still. We still got physical tickets in 2018. I don't know about it since then. Maybe that's something I should know. Nah. Why? Uh, the games so far that uh, like I'm going to Michigan State and I'm going to Oregon, which is at home, and then definitely going at USC. So. It's. I could see maybe going at USC and then coming up to Seattle for the the game against Utah. Like that's a possibility. Um, Apple Cup for me doesn't work because I go to Yosemite. Um, but yeah, that's that's a snapshot of what I'm sure everybody is interested in, which is my scheduling preferences. You should try to get to Oregon State. The Beavs renovated stadium should be a good Beavers team. They got a quarterback. We'll see how he fits in there, but. That's that's going to be a really tough game. That's part of that brutal November stretch. Do you think the bees like is 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 it still going to be Reeser? Yeah, I think so. Is is it going to still feel like the high school stadium in in the conference? I mean, probably because but they're not expanding, yeah. right? So it's gonna it's it's gonna be brand new. It's gonna yeah. feel you know. It's not going to feel like a high school feel stadium, like a, probably. A nice high school stadium. Everything I heard from people who attended games this year with the limited capacity was that it was like an amazing atmosphere. They're like, yeah, oh, really? there's only 21,000 people, but like because of the acoustics and everyone's, you know, it was, it was very intimate and it created a nice, you know, it was, the stadium was full technically and loud and so I'm, I kind of wish they'd have played there this year. It kind of sounded like a fun place to watch a game. I don't want to dump on the beefs because I love the beefs. So I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Like that Simpsons episode where Homer's like, it's like, Marge is like, where are you going? He's like, Marge, I'm not going to lie to you. And then he just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to the, uh, to the renovated research stadium. I like the beefs. I've, I've had a good time every time I've been to Corvallis. I'll say that. The, the flip side of the, the brutal November stretch, and it is, at USC, home against Utah, at Oregon State, and then home for the Apple Cup, is that uh, they could pretty reasonably start 8-0. I mean, you got that October 14th game against Oregon. That's by far their biggest challenge in the first two months of the season, other than maybe going to Michigan State. You know, maybe they could be a lot better than they were this mm-hmm. year. It, it's a long road trip. You never take, it, never take a trip like that for granted, but it's – uh. Other than Oregon, the four conference opponents they play before November, none of them had a winning record this year. Mm-hmm. 
Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, and, and they open against uh, open back to play against Cal, which seems to be the case a lot. But um, it's it's set up for them to go into November with it being like a a really really big time month and a, a big opportunity for them playoff wise. It's I love how the schedule shapes up. Like I'll be like you get. I think playing at Michigan State, I like that kind of scheduling. I like I like the decision to schedule home and homes um, with sort of better than Illinois in the Big Ten. Like I liked, it's a bummer that we missed out on Michigan at UW, but when they opened it and played at Ann Arbor, I thought that was awesome. I think this is a great trip. I like how the Oregon game is set up. And then if you're as good as you think you're you're going to be, like it's a great November. Like that's a great run of games. And yeah, it is tough, but it's it's what the Pac-12 is. I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, like you already knew they were going to have to play all those teams. Mm -hmm. You play Oregon State every year, and you knew that that USC and Utah were both back on the schedule. Combined with Oregon, like that's four really tough conference games across a nine-game schedule. Like there's no there's no nine-game schedule that you're going to look at and be like, oh, well, that's manageable. That includes those four teams. So it's a little rough that you got three of them in a row in the last month of the season. But I think kind of an underrated aspect of that, too, is that that USC game on November 4th in L.A. is the second of a road back-to-back. They're at Mm -hmm. Stanford on October 28th. Now, there's no reason reason to think Stanford's going to field an, an awesome team in 2023. They they got a lot of stuff to clean up there, but oh, they—they're not going to get a big wave of transfers. <laughs> I heard they've been hitting the Ivy Leagues hard. Yeah, they got. Uh, <laughs> they're saving. What would, a, what would a feeder school for Stanford be? <laughs> Rice. <Yeah. laughs> like seriously, Rice, Vanderbilt. Like, it's a legitimate tough. Like, uh, how do you get? How do you get when you go shopping or saying like, "Hey, this would be a great fit for you." You got to get the kid into school. It's brutal. When Jake Bobo transferred to UCLA, that had to be a huge hit for Stanford. Yeah. Oh, there's a Duke receiver in the portal, and we couldn't get him. <laughs> Come on, open up some spots in the UCLA. engineering school. Although the other thing that I always wonder is like, what college football player would be like? I where can I go that's a little academically harder? <laughs> like, like, wouldn't you? I'd be just like Bobo, which is like, you know what? Westwood sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's where I want to go. And that's nothing against maybe that just reflects my low standards or low expectations for myself. Yeah. Tough uh, tough spot for Stanford to be in right now. But it is, it's still a road game to Stanford, a, you know, a, a, a week before they, they got to play another road game. So that's a tricky little... All the attention is on that four-game stretch, but that's that's a, a dicey little way to start it out just in terms of logistics. But, um, look, it, it is what it is. If, if you think that you're a playoff team, if you think that, that you're a team that can win 11 games again and be in those conversations, you got to beat who's in front of you. you got to beat them at some point. So, you know, I I don't see a lot to complain about as far as, like, oh, the, the conference office has it out for Washington or, didn't do the Huskies any favors or anything. You, the, the the nine teams you play are the nine teams you play. Got to play them at some point. So, you know, I, if you want to look glass half full, it it certainly should present a series of opportunities for them to bolster any any playoff resume if they do play well enough in September and October to be in that conversation. I I think what you just said is sort of the best framework to look at it. Washington's going to come in with a top ten ranking, 
And there's nothing about their schedule that makes you feel, if they are worthy of that ranking, that this is going to be untenable for them. Like, you should be very excited about the the way things lay out. And it's, like, there's going to be huge expectations, but that should be really exciting, especially considering the volume of people that are coming back. Yeah. When I think of, of, you know, a a legitimate schedule gripe, it's stuff like we talked about earlier. You know, you're you're playing a road back to back against a team coming off a bye mm-hmm. or the only the only thing kind of in that bucket is that Wazoo hosts Colorado on a Friday the week before the Apple Cup while Washington goes to Oregon State on a, on that Saturday so if if you're looking for something to complain about maybe maybe that's you know oh, well they get an extra day and they're at home and don't have to deal with travel the week before but you know it's the Apple Cup you're you're playing it at home you you get your standard six days to prepare for it. Yeah, I don't think that's really too much of a gripe. Uh, and no no Friday games this year. Yeah, I, I was noticing that, that there are no Friday games, which I don't mind. I don't like the Friday games. I'm I, not a fan of the Friday game. I do selfishly. I don't think mm-hmm. that it's great for like college football generally, especially the stadium atmosphere, but... You know, it opens up you, the weekend for me because, like, I gotta go whatever you know, whatever day it is, right? Like, I'm I'm gonna be there if they play on Friday. That means that I get to watch all the games on Saturday, which I I almost always don't get to do. So, uh, but it's not all about me, contrary to what I might want to convince myself sometimes. It feels the Friday games feel very wackish, like that feels like something the whack would do, and I feel like the Pac-12 already kind of strains itself by being willing to do Pac-12 after dark on Saturdays. It's like you shouldn't have to give up the Friday night too, but because of the, the deals that were negotiated and how they ended up taking the cash, like they ended up giving that away too. They so I, I feel that makes us wackish. Yeah. No, I I get it. The Thursdays are more wackish. <laughs> Fridays are like, well No, no. Thursday is Mac. Thur- Thursday night Maction and Friday Wackish. Yeah, the the Pac-12 TV deals are Mac Wackian, <laughs> Wack Mackian, Mac Wackian. Yeah, 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 Wack Mackian. Um, Chris Peterson always pointed that out. Like, well, Boise State, we'd play on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursday mornings. Yep. yep. Which that's what you do when you're sort of. I like to think of the Pac-12 as as a legitimate Power Five. That's not a Power Five conference move. The Friday night. The Friday night scheduling. Yeah. it's it, But at least you're into the weekend. Like the work week's over. Yeah, that's over. true. That's true. That's true. So you, you ready to talk to Rome? Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think we should stop talking and, and uh, let the people hear what they, what they came here for. Going to bring in our first guest. Romo Dunze. Enjoy. Well, like we mentioned earlier, this is a very special episode of Say Who's Say Pod because we have our first guest and it only took us. 36 episodes, Danny. I think that's that's not bad. We're on a good uh, pace here. No, we, were, we were waiting. We were waiting for uh, someone with the proper significance. Uh, so Someone, uh, an esteemed guest who could come in and, and steal the spotlight. We were, we we're saving the spot for someone who is who is truly, truly exciting to talk to. I, I think we've I think we've satisfied that. We are happy to be joined today by Washington wide receiver Romo Dunze, still Washington wide receiver. Romo Dunze, he announced last week he'll be coming back to the Huskies in 2023. Uh, Rome, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. 
I'm wondering, first of all, who, who'd you tell at Washington first when you decided that, that you were going to come back next year? Because I'm sure your, your family was very involved. I'm guessing they were the first to know. But who in, in, in the building you're sitting in right now did you contact first? What was that conversation like? Um, I first had to hit up Coach Shepard uh, just because, um, you know, we, we had we we had been talking throughout the process and and he's a bit of a jokester and he, he messed with me a little bit. He tried to set it up like like he was uh, uh, leaving to, to go somewhere else. But really, we were just we were just talking about my uh, my uh, my draft grade. Uh, he wanted to talk about that because it had came back. So he set it up like that. So I had to tell him first. I kind of I kind of spiced it up for him and told him I was I was gonna enter enter the uh nfl draft and then or and i was like but that's gonna be in 2024 i had to get him but uh yeah he was the first one i told in the building and he was all excited um i knew you know we 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 share a close relationship just because you know that's my my position coach so i talked to him the most so i felt like he, he should be the first to know what did his face look like when you said you were entering the nfl draft I don't know. He he was he's out in um with his with his wife's family. Um, um I'm not sure exactly where that's at, but um so he, it was over the phone. Did yeah, he get so, so it was over the phone? I didn't get to tell him in person. I, I wish I could have because he got me in person. So um, but but he it was over the phone, but he was definitely shook. The phone went silent for a little bit. I let it I let it ride, so it was good. <laughs> what was uh, what was his reaction like once he, he realized you actually were coming back? Yeah, he was all excited. You know, Chef, he brings that energy. He brings that juice. So, uh, he, he, you know, he he was hyping me up and he said he was just so, so excited. And, you know, he appreciates, uh, you know, the the time that it took and the, you know, consideration that that went went into all of it and how I handled it. So uh, it was just excitement, um, just uh, kind of, you know, some love being shared and it was good. So you mentioned getting your draft grade back. How big of a deal was that? Like, was was that a crucial piece of information for you? Yeah, I think that it, it it was definitely a crucial piece of information just because, you know, I want to that, that there there's some, you know, grades out there and, and different information that you can get that can be so false, um, especially with everybody's, you know, you know, uh, you know, drafts or mock drafts going through, you know, and give you that confidence. But, you know, from from the sources that I was coming from and the information that I, I, I knew was very, very viable. Um, when I got that back, that was definitely, you know, a key piece just so that was, that was for sure. Um, and that had some, some legitimate, um, you know, facts behind it. So it was definitely important just, you know, wanting to know where I'm going to go, um, plays, plays a big part, you know, of course, want to go as high as possible. So, um, yeah, it was definitely an important part. Was some of your decision room based on the idea that the draft position could improve if you played another year of college football, or was that not part of your decision? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, if I felt like I couldn't uh, uh, raise my my draft stock, I, I probably wouldn't be here right now. I think that you know um, there there is a lot for, here for me, definitely. But you know, my ultimate goal has always been to to be in the NFL um, and to be able to you know support my family, support my loved ones. So, um, and I'm sure this coaching staff, if they thought my draft rates couldn't or my draft rating couldn't be raised, they they tell me to go. You know, so. Um, you know, college football is a dangerous game. You can't be, you know, just just playing it um, um, uh, every year in and year out with no no injuries, no consequences. So it was definitely a, a a big part. But 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 yeah, I know there were a number of guys on this team who who looked at the draft and and all of them decided to come back. As far as the underclassmen, other than maybe Michael Penix Jr., though, I, I think you were one who who people maybe there's a time assumed we're, we're probably moving on was there a time in your own head where 
you were leaning toward the NFL where, where you kind of thought that you, you probably would end up in the draft this year? Yeah, there was, there was definitely, it was kind of crazy. I was kind of leaning back and forth, like, you know, talking to some, some media, you know, that people were asking me a lot and I, I, I had different answers, but um, uh, yeah, I was definitely leaning towards the NFL at some point, you know, and leaning towards coming back, you know, 50, 50 other points. It really was just, you know, gathering all the information and kind of um, looking at how, how it would size up to next year, you know, how it would look going, going into the draft this year. You know, there's so many different factors that it's like you kind of get lost in all that. And you can focus on one that's like, okay, that's leaning towards coming back to school. Or you can focus on another and it's like, okay, I should probably declare. And they're both of equal importance. So it's like it, w- it was really tough to kind of consider all those and kind of come to a, a conclusion. But, um, but yeah, I was definitely, you know, thinking about entering the draft at some point for sure. You mentioned it being a difficult decision. Was it something that was hard for you? Because I, I, on the one hand, I would think you've got these two incredible opportunities, right? You can go to the NFL and begin a professional career that I, I know that I'll be rooting for you and really excited to see. Come back to a team that had this incredible season that, that exceeded a lot of expectations. But I could also see you'd be really worried about like, oh, I don't want to mess this up. Like, I don't want to. Was it stressful for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was definitely a tough process. I'm I'm definitely glad it's over just because like you said, there was, it was, it was two, you know, great paths to go on. But like, you know, you also don't want to, there's, there's also so much on the line, you know, coming, you know, with, with football, like injury, you know, and, and, and being able to play the game, you never know what's going to happen. Like, um, and making that best decision for yourself to, to, you know, re- leave relationships in the past, past very well to leave, you know, a program and a, and a school that I care so much about in, in a good state, you know, and make sure I put everything out there for them, but also, you know, leaving behind a, a, a opportunity at the NFL that, that doesn't come so easily for, for everyone, you know, and, and doesn't come so easy to me. It's definitely something I'm going to continue to have to work for and, and, and prove that I'm an NFL uh, prospect. So, yeah, it was, it was really difficult because, you know, it was, it was good. It was so much good each way, really, um, that it kind of, kind of, um, countered each other. Um, but, but it was definitely in the back of my mind, I was always thinking like, you know, this is a good position to be in. Um, whether I have to come back to school to, to a great program, to a great coach, to have great teammates, um, or go to the NFL, like I, I was caught in between two, two great decisions. So I kept that in the back of my head. That's kind of what kept me sane <laughs> during it you, all. You mentioned the the injury piece of it. How are you feeling after the season? I, I know Coach DeBoer had kind of mentioned you you were playing through some nagging stuff there for a while. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was playing, playing, trying to uh, fight through some, some, some uh, nagging injuries. But you know, that's caught. That's 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 football. But um, I'm doing well now. I had some time to rest. You know, I I, I started lifting today. Started. We had also had a run today. So I, I was out there w- with with the gents. Um, you know, having a blast, trying to build my body up again. But but yeah, my body feels good. You know, it's crazy because you take some time off football and you you start to realize that oh, like this is how. Uh, people's bodies normally feel because <laughs> uh, in the season you like take a couple of steps you're like oh my gosh my back hurt my my, my legs hurt this and that and now I, I'm able to wake up in the morning and be like oh, okay I can move around a little bit so I don't I don't have all that lactic acid build up <laughs> now now Rome Christian is the professional journalist and I'm a little bit of the husky fan um, okay still have season tickets okay. I graduated from UW I'm an old man so I went to I was there when Sam's dad was the quarterback and then his uncle was the quarterback. Okay, right on. And 
this year there was some concern among the my co-season ticket holders. We we thought you might need to have more pads. There is a concern that you don't have enough leg pads on. That you seem you seems like your pads are a little uh, uh, somewhat smaller than we, we want to protect you. So we're a little worried. <laughs> I I mean I you I I have the regulation pads on. That's about it. That's about <laughs> all you're going to get for me. I can't can be restricting my movement too much. So I got my knee pads, I got my thigh pads, and I got my hips. And that's that's all you guys are going to get from me. They they come that size. So that's all I could say about that. When you started playing with Michael Penix, what's the thing that jumped out about him and, and the way he played quarterback? I think, you know, like first, well, just like in, in off-season workouts, off-rib, I just realized how much like arm talent he had, like, you know, some of the throws he would make, like, would just look effortless, honestly. Um, and then that was, like, my initial, you know, um, um, impression, just how much arm talent he had. Like, he could really put the ball anywhere on the field, however, which way he wants to. And then, like, building into that, his his work ethic, plus, like, his his savviness and, you know, how how smart he is and you know, how much he knows about the game of football and offenses. It was, like, it was definitely, like, it was kind of like a gradual, like, uh, keep getting impressed. So, um, I guess that's that's what it is to be an elite quarterback for sure. For people who who don't know anything more about Kalen DeBoer than what they've read about him or what they see of him on the sideline or anything, do you have a quintessential Kalen DeBoer story? Like this is who this guy is, or maybe maybe something that was a, a first impression of him that kind of told you the the kind of coach you were about to play for. I think you know just off off rip like when I first started meeting with him when I was trying to decide whether you know I was going to stay stay a Husky or not at the beginning of last season um just his his how genuine he was and how confident he was in himself like he he's definitely I feel like uh a, a very confident guy and confident what what he can get into but doesn't come off across as like cockiness you know what I'm saying he's very humble and but he knows that you know he has what it takes to to, to run an elite program and be be an elite man in general um and that came across just with with his film I mean you know he was putting all the film that he had throughout the years him and coach Grubb like of the offense that they could do and I know, know at the beginning of the year a lot of people had questions whether or not his offense could you know be elite in the pack um which was obviously a fluke we know it could be elite in the pack so um he's he's very confident um but he's both very also humble at the same time I think that you know maybe sometimes in the media he just I mean as a head coach you always kind of come off have to come off across as very um I don't know you don't I don't think he come across like I I know what I'm doing I don't talk to me like you know kind of uh, in an aggressive manner but he, he's definitely very confident in what he gets done and I think it's not like I said it's not a cocky uh confidence it's like something that the whole program kind of feeds off of from a receiver's perspective what's it like to play in his offense it's awesome. Um, honestly, uh, definitely a comparison to a, a, a lot more run heavy offense that I was in before. You can tell that, you know, he definitely had, uh, loves to pass the ball. And, and, and um, I think, you know, just that impression of how many ideas they have, how many concepts they have, you know, they have answers for every problem, problem of a defense that we see. Um, it, it's really something special because, you know, before I'm like, okay, if they run this, like we're we're dead in the water, like we, we don't have anything to do. But how many checks that they have, how many different you know concepts, like I said, and, and the expansion of their playbook, and how easily they're able to integrate it into the offense, like without confusing everybody. 
um, it just goes to show you that there's so much to do out there offensively. Um, him and Coach Grubb and, you know, everybody under his tree um, benefits from that. And you can see the success. This was your, your first season with Coach Shepard, but it, it seemed like everybody in that room kind of developed a pretty strong relationship with him pretty quickly. What what was different? What's different about his coaching style? And I mean, how how was his his impact on you guys this year? I think it was awesome. I think that, you know, people can get a little glimpse of, you know, how he coaches just through the social media and stuff, just his energy. Like um, when you first meet him, it's like, it's like, how can this guy keep this up? Right. Like there's no way he's going to be this energetic, this, you know, passionate about it at day in and day out. But no, like for 365 days, he's been the same, it's the same guy um, bringing that energy and, and he brings the love with it too. Like we always talk about um, faith, family, football, um, you know, in that order, uh, in our room and, and just that, that, that culture that he's built around that, um, is just so special to the guys that builds that, and you know, that camaraderie, that, that family environment, but, you know, also not afraid to, you know, show that tough love, like, yeah, we need to do this better, or we need to execute this better. We're not playing to our standards. So that combination of love, but tough love at the same time, um, I think really guys can connect to, um, and you know, he's just a special man for sure. So it's easy to gravitate towards him. A couple of very serious questions from me, Rome. Okay, let's do it. Your favorite uniform combination with the Huskies? Helmet, think, jersey, what do you like? I really like that all-white strategy uniform we wore this year with the gold with the gold helmet, the gold chrome, I think it was. That, that one was really cool just because uh, they had the gold chrome on the pants and the and – the, um, and the and the jersey that that one was really cool. I really at Cal, like, I think. At Cal, that's right, that's yeah. right. I really like the all purple and then the all black that we wore. Was it against Arizona? Uh, the Kobe year. Um, I don't know where them jerseys went, but they they didn't disappear. But those are awesome. I really like all black combo is hard to beat. So yeah. What do you feel about the shiny purple helmet? I like the shiny purple. There's actually one right here. It's pretty cool. I, I don't think I've ever worn it before, but. Yeah. It's cool. I like it. I mean, I, I think you could definitely make it work somehow, some way. Um, I'm definitely glad we we switched up the combos a little bit more this year. I was definitely I hope the Husky fans were happy to see that. I know before it was more a little bit more traditional, but um, there, there's so many good colors. You might as well put it together some, some which way, see if it works. So, yeah. I love that. I also wanted to know, do you have a favorite building on campus? Like I was always like the, the graduate reading room in Suslow library. Like I, I thought that was the best spot for a nap. Do you have a favorite building on campus? Favorite building on campus. Uh, I spend most of my time at Husky stadium. This, I true. Mean, this is my favorite building. But, that's, actually, <laughs> that's the correct I mean, answer. It's kind of the only answer. Mean, in some know, ways. Like I, I, play football here i eat here yeah, I eat yeah. my friends here like i chill here so this is my number one but on campus i gotta give you an answer for that uh shoot probably the library Od- odegaard holding odegaard library i I've, I've studied there uh numerous times it's it's, it's real it's real quiet in, in certain levels and they, and it's real nice in there that's that's probably where i'm the most productive so i gotta give a shout out to the library odegaard how how do you handle going to class and studying when you've got this other full-time job that that's kind of where everybody else's attention is externally, but you you still have to go to class. You got to keep up grades and everything. How how do you balance those two? It's definitely hard. Um, it's something that, you know, takes, takes a, a lot of effort for sure. Um, but 
um, I keep in the back of my mind, like just keeping a grateful attitude, I think is really what puts you through um, to being able to do that. Like, I'm so blessed to be able to play this, the sport that I love for a living and, 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 and get to go to this wonderful university. Like my, my family has always preached, you know, education to me. So, um, you know, it's definitely hard, but you got to balance it. You know, there's going to be times where it's like, dang, I don't want to do this, but you know, you just pull through. Cause I know that, you know, at the end of the day, when I have my degree and, and God went and I'm in, in, the, in the NFL, do what I love, like, I'll, I'll be glad that to look back on, you know, all the work that I put in to get there. And it's like, you know, I'm young. I'd rather do the work now. So that way when I'm old, I could just chill and do what I want. So I'm going to get it all done now. And then getting my degree here uh, is part of that. So what are you interested in career-wise post-football? I know you don't necessarily um, need to to think about it a ton right now, but right. the day will come. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm hoping to be an entrepreneur, hopefully, you know, have some business investments. Um, my mom is in real estate, so I'm sure I'll be, you know, buying, hopefully being able to buy some some real estate properties so that way I can have that that passive income um, and have, have them pay, pay the mortgage of the other places I'm buying. But um I also like to get into like uh, broadcasting or like being a commentator and stuff like that. I feel like that's fun. Just being able to talk about football, um, express your personality. I think that's kind of um, a, a fun, a fun thing to get into after football. But I mean, just, just, just hopefully having some passive income come in through businesses, real estate, um, and then be able, being able to make some appearances on, on some commentating stuff like on games or something like that. I think it would be really cool. So, yeah. So speak. Band Speaking, conductor, band conductor, <laughs> band conductor yeah. after, after yeah. what you did with the Husky marching band. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. I don't know if I, I'm going to just come in as the special guest for one of those. So I, I don't know what I was doing up there, but they were still playing well. So, I mean, I, hopefully I get a good rating. <laughs> so speaking of income, got, you got to ask now, NIL, where, where was that on your, your list of considerations as you're looking at, at whether you should come back next year? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely cool. I mean, I think that UW and, and Montlake Futures have been doing a great job, like getting guys opportunities um, through NIL. I think that, you know, people have definitely seen the football team at different, you know, events through them, um, that they've been doing an awesome job kind of putting UW's name on the map. But honestly, it didn't play like a, a really heavy decision in my mind just because, like, if I was going to do it for the money, like, I would just go to the league because uh, the league, you know, um, over time or even initially, like, is going to pay more than than any NIL opportunity I could get. So it was definitely uh, something that I considered, though, just because, you know, in this atmosphere of, of college football, like, you know, there's there's different different NIL opportunities for a lot of people. So it's it's good that we're being able to, you know, capitalize on those things and, and uh, we're keeping, you know, um, that market alive for a lot of people that, you know, deserve those opportunities. So it was definitely something that I looked at, but it wasn't like number one or uh, overwhelming, you know, uh, aspect of my decision for sure. I feel like fans have a certain perception of of how that plays out. Like if someone's thinking about, should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Is there, the, is there a conversation of like, well, what, what can you do for me? You know, what, what's the dollar amount? What can you put in front of me that I know I'm going to be guaranteed next year? Do those conversations happen? Is, is, was that your experience or is it different than that? No, definitely, definitely not like that. Um, I think that it's just like uh, going through, through uh, the opportunities that we, 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 we've been seeing through uh, the different events and stuff. It was more just talking about, you know, uh, it, that wasn't even talking about that really. Um, it was just like, 
um, uh, they've been letting us know throughout the season and we've seen it gradually that, you know, the NI opportunities for everybody are getting ready. So it wasn't even right really like, you know, sit down, let's have this conversation about what you can do for me. I never had that. Um, that's something that I think a lot of fans see and think that's how it kind of goes, but I don't think college football for at least at this program isn't, isn't like that yet. Like, you know, on a surface, a surface level of like, what, what can you pay me? Which I mean, you know, if guy, if guy, I'm sure some programs are going to get up going about it like that, but if that's what guys deserve, then, then that's cool. But I feel like um, it's definitely a, a hard conversation for people to have in, in this day and age where it's, it's not like completely um, what's the word, you know, out there that, you know, people are getting salaries or, or some point where it's like pay mm-hmm. to play at this point where, uh, in college football so nah definitely nothing like that just you know uh I just knew through like my lake futures and all that that opportunities would definitely come up but it it was never like what you do for me nah I was trying to think Rome for your for your college career it's been so odd because of the circumstances I mean the whole world's been turned upside down by COVID but you have the COVID year and then you have uh your sophomore season where things go sideways for a lot of different reasons that are entirely outside your control. What was it like playing this season and feeling the energy and momentum within the program and in that stadium? Oh, it was amazing. Honestly. Uh, I'm, I've always claimed myself as a winner. I don't like losing regardless uh, of the situation. So um, it really just felt like a lot of work had paid off really um, through the off season through, you know, it felt like kind of like three years of work honestly paid off really just because, you know, going through that COVID year, not having the, the best couple, uh, best two years of, of college football, um, just being able to go out there and have success and have like, you know, the the, the fans behind us and, and the coaches that are behind us and, you know, are, are behind this team as a whole. Like, it really was something special. Just felt like all of that work had paid off of that, you know, um, you can have hope again that that work that you're putting in is going to pay off, you know, and that's that's in life in general. So um, it was really just like a gratifying, really like a really delayed gratification the whole season, um, but also a reminder that, hey, like you got to keep working. So who's in charge of bringing the cigars to, to your guys big games for, for post game? I don't know, man. I I have no clue who, who brought the cigars or, or who's bringing them or how they end up there, man. It's kind of crazy. They just pop, start popping. I just start smelling cigar smoke. I'm like, hey, yo, what is going on? But, but yeah, yeah, that's that's like the trend right now for Ida to pop the cigars. It's probably, I don't know who started that, but I know MJ was doing that. So they trying to get like the goat. Oh, it is I true. I feel like the modern the modern college football trend was was Joe Burrow. It's in Burrow. 2019. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. Yeah. That LSU, the LSU team, all the swag that they brought, man. They 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 left a legacy for sure. The cigars were definitely a thing. I mean, people are still grittying, so that that's fair. I can see that. So you're you're not a cigar guy, I gather. Nah, I'm not a cigar guy, man. I'm only twenty. I think you got to be twenty one to smoke that, right? <laughs> see, Rome once again showing the ability to have the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, the last thing from me, Rome. Um, I was it mentioned I'm a Husky fan. I try to be someone who doesn't sort of project my hopes onto the players. Um, and my perspective after after your second season was, hey, I loved watching you play. Like, very clearly, I loved watching you play. But it was like, hey, if 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 another spot seems like it'd be better for him, I totally under, 
would understand a decision for a player to transfer. And, and kind of the same with this off season where like, I wasn't hoping for you to come back in the sense that I want the players to make the decisions that are best for themselves. I'm so excited that you're coming back. And, and I think that like one of the things that makes college football pretty special is that I do have really fond memories of my time at that school and to see someone who's younger and enjoying and seems to be enjoying it at Washington and, and choosing to stick around. It's a really cool experience. And I just wanted to say thank you um, because it's, it's, it's really fun to watch you play. I'm grateful to get a chance to, to meet you. And I, I'm going to be rooting hard for you both this season and whatever happens going forward. It's, is really cool. Thanks, Ron. Yeah, no, I thank you, man. I appreciate it, Danny. That means a lot. I just, shoot, I just go out here and try my best to, 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 you know, put a good product on the field and, and, and be, be the person that my parents raised me to be. So it makes it easy when you got such a, a great fan base that, you know, was really passionate about it. Um, you know, I'd be kind of hurt. The fan was like, if the fans were like, you know, what, what, is, what's the team doing? Or it was okay with it after a four and eight season, you know, like it's, a, it's good to have that demand, but you know, it, you, you seem to do it in, a, in the right way. Uh, you know, you always got to think, you know, about, you know, the human behind the helmet. Um, and, and I know that, that you do that. So I appreciate it, man. It's, it's really been a blessing. So, um, thank, thank you and all, and all the alma mater that came before that, you know, allowed me to be in this position. I'm trying to take full, full advantage of it. So thank you. I got one for you and we'll let you go. I, I like to ask guys this when they're a few years removed from the, from the process, but if you could think back to your recruitment, what's the, the weirdest or, or funniest thing that happened to you when you were being recruited out of high school? Oh man. Man, what's the weirdest or funniest thing that happened to me? Man, I don't know, but some of the road trips that we were on, I was on road trips with uh, Darnell Washington, the uh, Georgia uh, uh, um, tight end, and he, he he's real funny. I mean, he just he's just a funny human being in general because he's like six, whatever, six, nine, like 300 pounds and is athletic, so he's a funny guy. But him, you know, being alone with my, my brother – um Christian and uh just being along with those guys we were in the road trips we just our 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 uh our, our visits were were crazy I mean we would just go to a state and then we would road trip to like every single school no matter how far it was so just being in the car with some of those guys and just laughing it up like I don't know man there was freestyle sessions there was you know uh that we was flaming one another roasting each other so um, I said those are some of the weirdest and funny, funny moments, but that that's the only thing I say off the top of my head. Yeah. All right. Well, that we we really appreciate your time, Rome. Uh, thanks so much for for helping us make say who say pot history here, being our <laughs> our first guest in in episode thirty six. Uh, take care. Best of luck with uh, with the off season and everything. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm I'm honored to be the first guest. So. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you guys very much. It was, this was awesome. So good stuff there. I thought. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Interesting, um, interesting response on NIL. What did you take away from that? I mean, I, I believe, and he's not the first to say. Penix kind of gave a similar answer. Like, I, I believe these guys that it's not like okay, I've weighed my options on the draft pros and cons versus coming back to school or going pro. I'm pretty sure I want to come back to school, but it's going to depend on how much money I can make from the collective or whatever other sources next year. Like, I don't think it plays out that way. I think in the back of your mind, 
you know if you come back there's going to be money for you and and you know maybe it's even communicated if not in super direct terms you know, indirect terms that you know it could be in this amount or that amount like i just think these guys know what the setup is and and know what the opportunity is going to be so like maybe there doesn't need to be a formal discussion of well let's hammer out an agreement now and you know map out all my appearances and what i'm going to get paid per appearance and all those sorts of things you know it's it's like he said if if money were the most important thing i'd have gone to the league i think and i I think you're right i think it lessens the financial incentive to leave like it's not i i I think you're right in that they're not looking at it like, how can I make the most money next year? But I I do think it provides, like it changes the math just a little bit and where you're not, okay, if I can get X amount of money, I'm going to stay. But I do think it is like, well, it it does, I don't want to say it makes it easier or more lucrative, but it's kind of, it lessens the financial incentive of, man, it would be nice to get a paycheck. Right. Like it, it's just it's a little it's a little different. It, it does. It does change it slightly. And I think it lessens the, the intensity of that financial incentive. Yeah, it's I'm not guaranteed to be paid zero dollars for for who I am and what I do next year. And, you know, you could with the, the big asterisk that, well, was it ever really zero dollars at some of these schools? Yeah, you know, for some of these guys. <laughs> fair. But, Very fair. The, uh, the other thing that I took away from it is him talking about getting the draft evaluation and the idea of improving his draft position. I've generally felt, and it's been communicated to me by players when they've come out, that when the NFL instituted a rookie wage scale, which came in in, in 2011, that that had created less of an incentive for guys to go back and improve their draft standing because that sort of top end if you were the top five one of the top five picks it wasn't as lucrative anymore and this kind of i i think what rome said like where there there is a a desire to like yeah i i think it would be better for me if i enter the league as a first round pick compared to a second or a third round pick and then i was looking at vita vea which is i mean vita vea decided to go back to school and he ended up being the 12th overall pick dominant dominant nfl career um, but I think that maybe I've undersold that incentive for players of, of assuming like, Hey, they just want to get their clock started toward getting the second deal. Now that the second deal very clearly for any player is going to be their biggest contract where there, there still is that incentive of like, uh, well, if I, if I came back and played a year and was able to improve my stock, that that's, that's something to consider as well. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, a personal pride element to it and you know, like a goal setting element to it. That you know, some guys hey, know that they're good enough to someday be a first round pick or maybe like an early second round pick. And if the feedback is not that that's very likely, and they have a year of eligibility left, and everything else is in place, like let's not undersell the return of Michael Penix Jr. Yeah, and the impact that that has on on probably a lot of these guys' decisions, and the fact that Caitlin DeBoer and Ryan Grubb, you know, proved to everybody this year like exactly what they're capable of offensively. Um, knowing that that's all in place and knowing that, you know, Washington does have a, what seems to be a, a, a pretty, you know, smooth operation NIL wise right now. Um, you've checked all those other boxes and Hey, I really want to be a first round pick. And I know that, that I can have a good enough season in 2023 to become a first round pick. I, I think that's where the, the draft, you know, committee feedback really factors in. Like, yeah, I don't think Jalen McMillan 
really even put a ton of consideration into the NFL this year. Like Kalen DeBoer said, he'd communicated to the coaching staff even during the final weeks of the season. They're like, yeah, I'm, I know the right thing is to come back. Like, I'm coming back. I don't, I don't think he even really went there. And I think a part of that is because he has that same belief. He knows mm-hmm. he can be a high-round pick. He probably already knew without even going through all the official channels that that wasn't going to happen for him this year, but that it could definitely happen for him with another year of production in 2023, similar to what he put up this season. So I do think there's, you know, when you, when you regard yourself a certain way and you know that you're a certain kind of player, you know, coming back to become a first round pick rather than a third round pick, for example, I think is really enticing, even though third round pick is going to be making some pretty good money right away. Yeah. It's a, that, that question of, of what you value and how you move through a system. Um, and you have a lot of competing sort of agendas of the idea of wanting to win in college football, which, which is a real, desire and incentive for players the the idea of capitalizing on on a what is a very short short window of earning potential in professional football like that's and making the the right decision i think what impressed me most about listening and listening to rome talk about it though was that all of those things were there but that it didn't seem to like it seemed like he came out of that process not feeling disappointed but kind of excited for whatever his next step was. Like I thought that I, and maybe I'm hearing what I want to hear, but I, I, I was pretty pumped up. I enjoyed talking to him a lot. Yeah. I, I think he put it well that, you know, as, as stressful or as difficult as, as that decision-making process is, and as much goes into it, I think he knew, like he said all along that he had two good options and he's just choosing, which is the best one. You know, I, like there's a lot to be excited about at Washington next year. Um, and playing in the NFL is, is every college player's goal and it's, it was attainable for him. You know, he, he would have been drafted obviously if if he'd gone pro this year, but, um, you know, I, I, I think he knew that if you are if your number two option, even if you, you know, you really want to go pro or like maybe you've got it in your head at a certain point that you are going to go pro if the other option is coming back and then like having another probably really fun year of playing college football with all your friends for a coaching staff you really like for a team that you think could could maybe go to the playoff like you know that's not a bad plan b and and in this case I wound up being plan a yeah there's also I'm thinking as you're talking about Aaron Curry who was he was the Seahawks uh, he, was, he was number 4 overall pick in 2009 out of Wake Forest and Aaron his junior year, he got a, got a grade, and he got. I think they told him he was probably a third round pick, which they usually err on the side of caution. Like that's that's pretty safe bet that he would have been drafted in the third and could have been a second round pick. It's unlikely that he'd climb as high as a first. And he's like, now I'm going back to school. I'm improving my draft. He ends up being the number four overall pick. That's a point where there is no rookie salary cap. He makes a huge amount of money. He becomes one of the highest paid Seahawks right away. And Aaron has said. Um, so I'm not like supposing, but like Aaron's talked about, his goal was to get drafted as high as possible. And once he achieved that, there was kind of this question about what comes next. And for him, the fact that he had set that as an end goal of like, that's what I'm working toward, it impacted like how hungry he was and how he felt about things. Like it was, it was different. And maybe that's a little bit of, 
of hindsight for him seeing how it worked out where he played two years and the start of a third season with Seattle and then ended up getting traded. Like they let him go. They traded him to, to the Raiders. Um, he had a bad knee by that point, which is something that isn't like you can't chalk that up to anything other than it's a brutal freaking game and, and injuries impact you. But that for a player, like it's danger. There's a danger in having your draft position be the end goal. Like you've got to, you've got to have a vision for what you want for yourself as opposed to just, I want the most, the largest one-time payday I can get in the draft because that's not, that's probably, even if you achieve it, that might not end up making you feel happy about what things, how, how your career went. That's true. Um, I want to get, just to give people a, a peek behind the curtain here. You heard, uh, you heard us joking about the, the proliferation of the cigar celebrations in college football. Uh, I, I chopped that up. I edited that to, to take out my factual error, Danny, which I had to look this up. I didn't, I totally missed this. Uh, Rome was indeed correct that the the age to purchase and use tobacco in the state of Washington is now 21. That changed, Are you serious? That changed in 2020. <laughs> so, in in that interview, you don't you don't hear my interjection that no, it's eight it's 18, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 18. No, it's it is not 18. He was right. It's it's 21. Hold so on. you learn something new every day. Washington legalized weed and <laughs> raised the limit the age limit for smoking. <laughs> nicotine well it frankly doesn't make sense that the age the age limit for nicotine slash tobacco would be for some reason three years younger than to to drink alcohol or smoke marijuana it makes a ton of sense why because you're an adult well okay so the argument would be that you should be able to do all three of those things at 18 that's correct christian (laughs) that's correct i'm on board with that I'm just saying, if the other two are 21, it makes no sense for for the the third vice to be 18. <laughs> uh, but I mean, isn't the rationale like nicotine's not like a? It doesn't it doesn't cause you to think weird. Like it doesn't. I'm trying. Like it doesn't affect your consciousness. Like what even was? It's not an intoxicant. That's what I'm know. looking for. Is is nicotine considered an intoxicant? I think you catch a pretty hard buzz off of it if you're, <laughs> if you're not a pack-a-day type of smoker. It is a brutal buzz, though. Like, it's... I would describe a nicotine buzz as unpleasant. Like, it... And both... Probably more chewing tobacco than, like, you get slightly dizzy. Um, yeah. The guy smoking cigars... I always think, like, man, if you don't smoke cigars regularly, like, you're going to have a headache walking out yes. of here. Or, yes. like... Or you're going to, you're like, if you try to inhale it and you don't smoke them regularly, like I, I always thought that people that inhale on the cigar, like that's, that's more hardcore than I could ever be. Like, I can't, I, I, I can't deal with that. But even the person who just sits there and puffs it and enjoys the taste, like it's, it's all the visual effect, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anyone's like, you know, judging the, the photos or videos of, of, uh, a player smoking a cigar, holding a trophy, like, oh yeah, but did you did you really did you inhale? Did you, you know? <laughs> I like the nice earthy tones here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you remember? Well, you probably don't. On Hard Knocks one year, I think it was when the Falcons were on Hard Knocks, and Brian Cox, who was the Wild Man linebacker, 
Like he played for the Bears and the Dolphins. He got in all sorts of trouble for flipping people off. At one point, he played for the, the Patriots, but he was kind of a wild man. He was an assistant coach, and they showed him smoking a cigar. And the cigar, honest to God, looked like one of those cartoon cigars. <laughs> Where it's just like a big, like this huge, massive bulge in the middle. Just like burning it, bright orange at the end. <laughs> it looks like that. And and, it, and actually, this ties back to our conversation about vices, where he explains that every person should have a vice. And if someone doesn't have a vice, like those are the people you got to worry about because those are the serial killers. Well, because it's not, it's not that they don't have a vice. It's that exactly. You don't, you don't know what like, it is. He's like, I trust someone whose vice is more out in the open. And I was like, you know what? I kind of agree with that. <laughs> like, in general, I, 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 think that's, I think that's the same. I trust someone whose vices are visible. With that, we will leave you to your vices. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I had no idea that the smoking limit raised in the state of Washington, yeah. the pinko communist state of Washington. I think I didn't read too much into it, but it might it might be because of the proliferation of vaping. And oh, so I can see that. That's it's Oh, actually, you know what? Yeah, I agree with that. Like it's so much more discreet and easier for for young people to to yeah. buy and and use and everything that maybe they just they wanted to but then the the you know the kids you're really concerned about doing that are younger than 18 to begin with so yeah that's true i i have more respect for the actual old school smoking than i do the vaping yeah i'm an, i'm i'm an old man there was some concern and thought that mike mcdaniel the dolphins coach might have been vaping on the sideline of an nfl game oh no yeah like there was and it's it's not indisputable visual proof but i can see why people seeing the video thought it was happening and I was like, maybe we're going back to an era where people will start, like, managers used to sneak cigarettes, like, in my lifetime. I'm sure that coaches smoke during my lifetime. Maybe we're going to get back to that. Yeah. Who, who is it in, in the, the old-timey photo sitting on the sitting on Len a Dawson? chair in the, yeah, in, the, in the locker room drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette? Pulling on a heater? Yeah. yeah. Ken Stabler. Wyman talked about there was one time, it was one of his first games, <laughs> there was... He looks into the shower. They're like all taped up and ready to go. He looks into the shower and what he sees is like the bright red cherry of someone pulling on a cigarette. And and he like looks in and he goes, huh? And the guy goes, sup, Rook? <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, that's kind of an awesome visual. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I got to sneak a heater before we get out there. Yeah. So don't tell me it's not an intoxicant. It's a, it's a performance enhancer, clearly. <laughs> Uh, we'll try to enhance our performance next week. We'll find something to talk about. There, you know, the the, the schedule's out. So, uh, but we've got second signing day coming up in February. The portal's always churning. Uh, we'll keep you updated. Until then, folks, uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll talk to you when we talk to you. Say who? Say pod. <laughs>